your eyes to the skies. It's time for Spaced Out on 95 PFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. All right, Josh from the Stardome. How's it going, mate? Have you had... Sure. Uh, oh, first and foremost, I'd like to introduce Zach, who's up here volunteering. Uh, um, welcome to the BFM studio, Zach. Thank you. Thank Just you. giving uh, sure. Zach a little taster of um, some live radio on a Tuesday afternoon and some of our uh, regular features, awesome. which includes oh. Spaced Out, our week, a bi-weekly space chat. Um, yeah. I just, I just, Josh, I had a quick question about the copper which got stolen off the telescope. Is it, have there been any leads come through about this copper reappearing anywhere? Um, not that I am aware of. Yeah, um, it, yeah it's kind of with the police, but um, we've had to remove the rest of it, so it's uh, uh, kind of stripped bare at the moment. But um, uh, yeah, not a huge amount we can do mm, until then. Mm. Any any sort of updates on replacement a replacement cover for the telescope, or is it still early days? Yeah, it's really early days. I mean, we'd love to put like another copper dome on it, but mm. it's um, yeah, it's apparently a very artisan thing to make. Oh, no. Um, Are you just going to end up with a sure. plastic one or something really? <laughs> Some microplastics maybe, oh, yeah. No. Oh, well. <laughs> bugger, 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 bugger. All right, Josh. Well, I mean, what what the heck is happening in outer space? What are we What are we starting with? You've put uh, forward a couple of stories, including NASA outsourcing their moon rover for the Artemis mission. Yeah, so NASA this week, they've... Um, started to basically put out the call for lunar rovers. Um, so these are for the later Artemis missions. Artemis V specifically um, will be a landing mission, and it's going to be the first one which will be using new rovers within the Artemis program. Um, so, you know, we've seen Mars, ro- oh, Mars rovers, moon rovers with later Apollo missions, um, but we hadn't really confirmed anything for Artemis. So I think it's going to be quite cool to see kind of what companies um, can come up with some really cool rovers for the astronauts to actually use. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's early days, but what do you picture a moon rover to look like in the coming years? What sort of things, will, it, what capabilities will the new moon rovers have? Yeah, I mean, my, my hope is that SpaceX is going to try and build one because a lot of things they build look very cool. Um, but I know that yeah, NASA's kind of what they've asked for com- from companies is basically for these moon rovers. They kind of ask that they're not just for roving, but um, they can actually be controlled from Earth. Because once these rovers are there, they're not always going to be driven. It's just going to be for the missions, which you know might be a few days to a week. Um, but NASA said that they want these rovers to be essentially remote-controlled um, explorers, so that when astronauts are not there, they can actually be driving them around remotely, um, you know, exploring, mapping, finding places of interest for astronauts. Um, that they can you know use those rovers once they're there too. Mm. So I think they need um, more than just driving capability, and probably mm. quite a few scientific instruments too. Are they, are they obviously going to be pretty big because they'll have astronauts on them. Are they going to require their own, like, space shuttle to get there? And are they going to drive out of this space capsule, space shuttle type thing? Yeah, so that, that's the other thing is getting these rovers because it's probably some of, you know, the larger hardware that they'll need for the Artemis mm-hmm. mission. So they will require them to be sent on their own, you know, dedicated launches. So they'll have to have, um, you know, rockets with big payloads, big capabilities, um, that can send them there, and then they'll be placed there before the astronauts get there. Because the whole thing that they want for the Artemis missions is that when the astronauts get there, everything they need is essentially already there. Um, whereas, you know, with Apollo, they had to take everything, so they had really, you know, big constraints as to what they could take, mm. and then they had to leave it there essentially. So, yeah, the point of difference is they need um, stuff to already be there, and that's going to require, you know, 
completely new missions to send these rovers over to. Are these going to be solar-powered ro- rovers, or will they be nuclear-powered things that have a bit of shelf life? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure, because the thing about the moon is you can't really use solar power, because the moon experiences, you know, two weeks of daylight, which is fine, but then it has two weeks of nighttime, mm. um, and those temperatures are freezing, so having things like a battery, it's very unlikely that batteries would actually last for that long. Mm. Um, so I think they will have to develop some type of different power systems, but that's really up to these, you know, private industries as to what they what they create. And a lot of it's technology that, you know, probably doesn't even exist. So there's definitely a lot of innovation as to you know, how they're going to power these things, which has always been a problem on the moon. Is it best in private hands, or do you think there's scope for NASA to do it all? Or do you think they just don't have the resource? Yeah, I mean, NASA can do these things, and they have done these things, but that problem is essentially a resource. They don't have the money, so... Mm. NASA's budget is really small, and a lot of their money goes to that really big SLS rocket, um, the International Space Station. So they have a huge plethora of programs which their resources go to. Um, So it kind of makes more sense to kind of outsource and essentially hire a moon rover from another company. Um, And that's kind of what spurs, you know, technical innovation, all that stuff, and, you know, new inventions, essentially. So it definitely does make sense um, to have private industry working with NASA. Moon buggy. Okay, now China has set a date. They're going to land uh, on the moon before 2030. Yeah, they've, um, they're kind of creeping up their date further and further now. So yeah, China's come out and basically said their plans, which was initially in the 2030s, they've now said we're actually going to do it before the 2030s. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometime later in this decade. And I think, yeah, the closer we get, I think, to, to NASA and the United States landing with Artemis III, I think China um, realistically might actually try and get closer to that date too. Hmm. You'll kind of have, you know, the second space race essentially to the moon. So is it going to be quite quite interesting? Are they like, this is our territory on the moon now? We put our thing there. This is our bit. Well, that's that's the kind of the big problem is when we go to the moon. You know, we have the Outer Space Treaty, which says you know no one owns the moon. Hmm. If you go there, you can't you know claim the moon. Um, but the reality is, I'm sure, I'm sure we all know, but, you know, when we get countries going to the moon, they will claim parts of the moon. Yes. They will say that, you know, this is our moon base, that we're here. And a lot of these, um, you know, these countries, China and America, they're going to the South Pole. So they're actually going to the exact same location. Th- why? Because there's water or because there's gold there? Um, there's resources. So there's frozen water, which, you know, you can break up water, make rocket fuel, can be used for, you know, drinking water, breathing, all that stuff. Uh, okay. um, yeah. Yeah, so it's a really, it's, yeah, ice essentially is one of the most precious resources in space. Mm. Um, and the South Pole has a lot of it. So a lot of countries are trying to get there first. <sighs> crazy. I mean, awesome. But yeah, uh, hydrogen <laughs> yeah, power. Is, that, is it like hydrogen? Is that what they will use? Like hydrogen? Yeah, because yeah, what is, what is H2O? So mm. you split up, you get hydrogen atoms, and then you yeah. get oxygen atoms. So you can yeah. you know, have water, you can have oxygen, you can have hydrogen rocket fuel. So it can be used for so many things. Excellent. Okay, now Zach has a couple of stories. I mean, Zach, what do you want to start with? What would you, what was ticking, you know, tickling your fancy this afternoon when you were looking deep into space news? Yeah, um, I found an article um, saying that, well, that um, there was a galaxy that was um, being tracked um, that was, I think, nine million light years away. Um, mm. But I was just wondering, like, what? Why are we looking so deep into space at the moment instead of like at our current solar system? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a good point. Why we look so deep into space? Um, I think there's a really huge kind of 
there's a philosophical element, I think, to space exploration. And, you know, these are questions of why are we here? Why does, what does it mean to be alive? How did life start on Earth? Mm. So when we look really deep into space, you know, at other galaxies, for example, which are, you know, astronomically far away, and we could never go there. Um, it's not, you know, to find a, you know, replacement of Earth. It's actually just to figure out what the rest of the universe is like. Um, and, you know, I think there's an innate kind of element of being human of we're very curious. We like to ask questions and we kind of wander. And with for thousands of years, every civilization and culture has kind of done the same thing. Um, and, you know, with technology like telescopes, it allows us to see these amazing things like galaxies and star clusters and mm. just things that we would never see otherwise. So, yeah, I think there's a, a real human element as to why we explore and build, you know, big telescopes to see these amazing faraway things. In, in the in this article, this NASA article, it says, despite the jellyfish galaxy's serene appearance, it is adrift in a ferociously hostile environment. I mean, what's hostile about outer space? I thought it was kind of cold and a few rocks drifting drifting around. What's happening out there? Yeah, I mean, space is incredibly horrible. It's you know everything oh, is out it? there. Is it really? Is that what? Oh, I mean. It's not that it's actively trying to hurt us, but, yeah. you know, once we leave our atmosphere, mm. everything in space essentially kills us. So, uh, you know, it's a really kind of humbling reminder of, you know, the preciousness of Earth. Yes. Um, but I think in that particular photo, another one you're talking about, um, that particular galaxy was moving through a galaxy cluster, and basically all of those other galaxies are pulling on that one galaxy. Uh, and it's basically being pulled apart, and you get these kind of tendrils and wisps of stars being ripped out of the galaxy. Um, and that's where we get that kind of jellyfish. I think there's a lot of them. We call them jellyfish galaxies. Mm. Um, so they're kind of these tormented uh, galaxies that are being ripped apart, which is very poetic. Uh, okay. Uh, Zach's got another one for you. We're talking space race, space wars. Yeah. Um, so the US um, said in this other article that they were um, happy to, well, not necessarily happy, but they would engage in like warfare and like space and stuff so like mm. h how would you see that play out yeah it's it's a bit of a tricky one because there are so many laws again about you know not detonating things in space um active you know combat and all that in space but i think the thing with the united states is when they say things like you know we'll attack in space it doesn't really mean oh they're going to send a bunch of people up there to fly around like star wars <laughs> um it's probably more akin to you know them shooting a satellite down um, shooting a spy satellite or something from another country, which, you know, can be considered an act of war and an act of aggression. But mm. it's also important to note that America is, uh, they love to flex their muscles in terms of their military might. That's something they've always done. Mm. Um, and I feel like, you know, now more than ever, they do it a lot because there are countries like China and Russia, which are now doing a lot more in space. So I think now that America is kind of being challenged in space, which has technically dominated for decades, Mm. Um, I think that's something that they kind of want to hold on to. So it is kind of a an unknown frontier at this point, really. Mm, very interesting. Now, Josh from the Stardome, is there anything else we need to know? Uh, doors opening very soon. Uh, yes, 19th of June. Doors are open. Okay. Looking forward to it? Feeling good about it? Yeah. Now we're I, um, I saw the Stardome today, and I'm in there tomorrow. We just had a new carpet. Looking great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so yeah, we're steaming towards the nineteenth for the opening. Uh, what sort um, of just wait, hang on? What sort of carpet is it? That sort of like really funky, <laughs> crazy stuff that people might enjoy looking at when they come in for one of those uh, Pink Floyd nights. Do you know, I promise, I tried to get this like real trippy, like 
space warp carpet that looks like the ground's warping. Mm. Um, but I got denied in our budget, so we don't have that. <laughs> At least you tried. I, I did try, but it is black like space, so I can still something to say about it. Mm. But it looks very nice. Okay, excellent. Okay, sorry I interrupted you. Uh, all go. It's all go. Yeah, all go, and yeah, all, we've got all of our shows up for Masariki, which are bookable on the website. So yeah, we're, we're pretty keen to get it back there. All right, awesome. Hey, thank you very much, Josh, from the start, and we'll talk to you in a fortnight's time. All right, talk to you then. Happy to Control, we are docked. That was spaced out on 95 BFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium.